Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the final day of September 2022, the 30th. Happy Friday, glorious, glorious Friday, wonderful day for you. Hopefully you're going to have a great weekend. Hopefully you're going to sign up and get the Curse Program, the Week in F and Review at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or at DerekHunter.locals.com. Come on, man. Come on, man. Anyway, yes, appreciate all the support, and I'm looking forward to cursing about this week. Good God. Anyway, let's get started so we can get the weekend started. There's a, some kind of sickness going on around the, uh, the Hunter household. Luckily, knock on wood, at least thus far I've managed to avoid it. Took, uh, when it took the, the older kid to the doctor yesterday, the clinic, because her cough sounded worse. It's not coming from her lungs which is good. Her lungs are clear. It's in her throat. And so uh, they looked at her throat. They looked at her ears. And they think, since it takes like three days to get an actual result, they diagnosed strep throat. And they are uh, treating her accordingly while they're waiting for the lab results. Because it's better to start the treatment for what it probably is than to give it three days to be confirmed and, and get worse. So then I said, ah, crap, I should probably bring in patient zero. It was Quinn's got it, had it worse. Bailey's had it longer, like a day and a half longer. So I brought back in patient zero. And she got the same diagnosis and the same medicine. So we're they're on antibiotics. My wife has a cough now or congestion. She's probably got it. She needs to find time to get to the doctor if she doesn't get any better there's no no talking to her but i you can't wrestle her and throw her in a car i can wrestle the kid well i don't have to wrestle the kids they were excited to go because they like the taste of the cotton candy medicine which is what the antibiotics are so that was easy enough so that was my day how was your day anyway there's a, a lot going on a bunch of stuff to get to and we shall get to it as much as humanly possible let us get to the news. Of course, the big news is Florida is devastated by Hurricane Ian. We don't know much now as uh, as yet, but uh, the destruction is going to be in the billions. And they're saying that there will be fatalities in the hundreds. Hopefully that won't pan out. There are apparently two and a half million people lost their power, including my in-laws down there lost their power. We talked to them last night. Um, they had um, security cameras, the, the kind that you can access over your phone. So my wife was showing me clips of before the power went out, like, listen to this wind. It was pretty massive. Now, they live in uh, the Cape Coral, Fort Myers area, which is right where it got hit. They uh, managed to avoid the, the surge, the storm, so they were far enough inland. But... Um, the wind itself, they have hurricane shatterproof windows and reinforced steel garage doors. And you have to build basically a fortress to uh, to be able to build anything in Florida. But it was rattling around and stuff was bouncing off their windows, apparently. Their, their hurricane glass didn't shatter, but it was bouncing around. 
So hopefully uh, more people had that kind of experience. I can only imagine later I'll see the pictures that they'll send, and I'm sure that they, uh, they're they going to have some cleanup, a lot of cleanup to do. And then when you're sitting there with that many people without power, it could be days without power. And keep that in mind. You sit here and, uh, and we get a bad storm and your power goes out for like two hours, and you're like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing. Imagine days without it. Imagine days without it in Florida. Where, the, what is the temperature going to be? I've got actually, their city saved here in my phone. It's 74 degrees right now. Highs in the 80s all week. Low, well, they, you know, actually they don't, they are not going to be bothered by that. One thing about my, my wife less, but my mother-in-law for sure, is if it dips below 80, it's sweater, sweater weather. So... <laughs> They'll be just fine. Thankfully, it's not 100 degrees down there. It didn't happen right in the summer. But, yeah, the devastation is going to be wide. What you're going to hear nonstop now is now that uh, the uh, destruction, current destruction is no longer current, will be the chance to spin. It will become political. There will be attacks on if anything goes wrong, there will be criticism of DeSantis. The media, the left of the White House would like nothing more. They need it almost. Would love nothing more than to create Katrina out of Ian. They want Katrina out of Ian. Katrina wasn't even Katrina, by the way. The the four days leading up to Katrina, the Bush administration was imploring people in New Orleans to get the hell out of there. Like you're uh you're in a city below sea level on the sea and there's a giant hurricane coming get the hell out of there and people chose not to leave the governor and the mayor ray nagan who i believe went to jail for corruption kind of one of those little historical facts that are i i saw ray nagan once i ran into him and uh in the senate house office building when i was working there i think and he uh it was before he went to uh to prison yeah he went to prison i don't know if he's still there it's corruption incarceration was sentenced to 10 years imprisonment and uh, more than five hundred eighty-five thousand dollars in restitution forfeiture hell of a thing hell of a thing back in uh, 2009 so yeah he was still around when i ran into him he had an entourage but every member of his entourage was a really good-looking woman Dressed like they were not walking the halls of Congress. Dressed like they were walking down the French Quarter to go to a club. So I was like, yeah, all right, I can agree with that. But uh, he did not implore the citizens of New Orleans to leave. The governor at the time did not, another Democrat, did not implore the citizens of New Orleans to leave. Not early enough. Eventually they did once it became clear that it was going to be devastating but that was about 24 hours at the most before the hurricane hit which was too late for most people remember the famous picture of all the buses underwater remember that picture all the buses that could have been used for evacuations that should have been used for school buses underwater up to the windows sitting there empty they're ruined first of all secondly they could have been used but oh we didn't have the facilities to leave fema didn't give us buses well, 
you had buses. FEMA's job, by the way, is not to go in and take over from an incompetent local government. You get what you pay for. You get what you elect. FEMA's job is to come in and offer logistical support. The locals do the last mile. FEMA does everything else. FEMA brings in water from a thousand miles away, brings in food from a thousand miles away, and gives it to the local government or the state government that should have the tentacles into the communities to be able to feed people and give people water. The incompetence down in Louisiana in the, the time of Katrina was they didn't bother to set up the infrastructure the last mile. And the media and the left immediately jumped on it and blamed George W. Bush. Oh, look at him. He's incompetent. He's incompetent. Oh, FEMA should have been in there. Well, FEMA can't make you vote for somebody who isn't an idiot. They just can't. So, yeah, luckily Florida has a uh, lower percentage of idiots. Yes, there is the stereotypical Florida man, but uh, he doesn't vote all that often. And usually he can't vote because of his criminal record for, I don't know, transporting an alligator in his pants or whatever the hell it is, doing doing meth in church, whatever the stories are. So, yeah. Just look up Florida, man. You'll know what I'm talking about. But yeah, it's going to be spun into or try to anything that goes wrong will try to be spun into Ron DeSantis's Katrina. Look at this. This is Ron DeSantis's Katrina until they get there. And if they don't and they may not because DeSantis is competent and on the ball and he also understands that they're out to get his scalp until then it will be climate change. It's climate change, ladies and gentlemen. This is why these storms are becoming more damaging and stronger. And they're not becoming stronger, as a matter of fact. Ian never made Category 5. Ian didn't set a world record for speed and strength. Didn't even come close. But Ian will probably set a record for the cost of the destruction. Now, how can that be, Derek? Did he hit a whole bunch of shanty towns and rip apart real shanty mansion? No. Not Shanty Mansion Town. It's because of Biden's inflation causing everything to be more expensive. So when you could rebuild a home for uh, $200,000, and now, thanks to supply chain incompetence and everything else, it costs $400,000 to rebuild a home. That just goes into the total. The total dollar amounts of destructions don't tell you anything. They don't tell you a damn thing. Well, in 1968, there was a hurricane that caused $100 million worth of damage, and now this one's going to cost $10 billion worth of damage. Right. Yeah. No kidding. You could you could buy a car for like $1,500 back then, a new one. Now you can't. You could buy a pickup truck for like $1,000 when they first came out. Now it'll cost you $80,000. And so it's, well, they're also very different. But the houses are different. Everything is different and things cost more. It's not more devastation from a stronger hurricane because this isn't the strongest hurricane to have ever hit Florida. It's not even close. It's a bad one. There's going to be devastation. There's going to be it. So the information that they're going to feed you is going to be to manipulate you. It's not to inform you. There's no unless you're going to sit there and adjust for inflation and go through and explain what the the costs are and why the costs are up and that materials cost more and that there's by the way since the last devastating earthquake in or uh, uh, hurricane in this area there's a lot more people moved to Florida 
just during the pandemic of like half a million people moved to Florida. So, of course, there's a possibility more houses. There's a possibility for more damage. There's a possibility for more death. Why? Because it's more densely populated. So more houses to damage, more businesses to damage as more businesses and buildings have opened means there's going to be more damage. It doesn't mean stronger storms. It doesn't come close to stronger storms. I don't know whether or not the people who will try to spin this will know this or not. I suspect like the the gang for Morning Joe, when they start in on this, they probably won't know, even though they live in Florida. Half of them live in Florida and pretend to live in New York. And they live in Florida for tax reasons. But you know it now. You know it now. It's important to know this. Not because you say, oh, well, uh, the damage down in Florida is nothing to hell with those people. No, the damage down in Florida is real. It's that Democrats will use that damage down in Florida to try and damage the rest of the country. That's the problem. That's what we're trying to head off at the pass. Don't fall for it. Think for a second. If I can think of this, you can think of this. You're, I'm not smarter than anybody else. If you just sit back, I'm able to perhaps say, well, I'm going to remove the emotion from this, and I'm going to think about it logically when you're being fed emotion, emotion, emotion through alleged news outlets. But if you just think about it rationally, of course it's going to cost more. It's going to set a record. Why? Because things cost more, and more people live there. There's more damage. When there's more things to be damaged, more damage will be done. That's how life works. Just don't let uh, Katrina or let uh, Ian be turned into Katrina because the left is absolutely positively going to try to do that. Now we go to our uh, our president. Sometimes, sometimes the news about Joe, you sit there and you go, Joe's making another gaffe. Joe's making another gaffe. And you just go, my God. And every once in a while, that gaffe is one of those moments where you, you're sitting there and you're thinking, where is Jill? Why isn't Jill, why is Jill allowing this to happen? I get it. She likes the trappings of the White House. Who wouldn't like to be waited on hand and foot? Who wouldn't like to never have to stop at a, a red light or have no, you want to go to the beach? You just say you go to the beach, you hop on a helicopter, then you hop on a plane, then you hop on a helicopter or in a limo and you're, you're at the, you never stop once. You can literally never stop moving. Who wouldn't like the trappings of being president of the United States? But is that enough to just sit there and watch your spouse be abused? Now, I don't know what it was like to be married to Joe Biden at all, let alone for all the number of years she's been married to Joe Biden. And the uh, allegations and the, of infidelity and the, the straight up like groping of women in public and sniffing of their hair and kissing and like all that weird stuff that he does. I imagine over time that's going to wear on you. And then you got to deal with the stress of raising a crackhead and then uh, the problems with the other daughter just i imagine that's maybe that's why jill dresses like a uh, 13 year old russian uh, sex worker sometimes she does like you watch her you're like who who did you did you raid what some 13 year old's closet what the hell is wrong with you where do you get this taste there're just some people who just simply cannot uh dress in a way that like i'm not I'm certainly not a, a fashion icon, but, uh, you know, that's why I do audio mediums because I don't have to. When I go on uh, the rare occasion when I do go on TV, I put on a suit because that's what you do. Circumstances. I wouldn't I wouldn't show up to a funeral in the, you know, sweatpants. Not that guy. 
but I'm going to sit around the house all day in sweatpants. Better believe that. (laughs) Anyway, Joe had an event at the White House yesterday, and um, my God. He called for a congressman, a Republican. He's trying to do bipartisan shout-outs. Oh, I work with Republicans. I want to thank the Republicans I work with. And he wanted to single out one in particular because he works with so few, and he's got, he pretends to be super Mr. Bipartisan. When not calling them fascists, I'm willing to work with... Why are you willing to work with fascists, then? Uh, don't think too hard about what I'm saying. So there's a congresswoman, Jackie Walarski. Or Walar... Yeah, Walarski. She passed away a month ago. She died unexpectedly. There was a statement put out by this very president of the United States marking her passing. Joe was looking for her yesterday. I swear to God. I I don't... Listen... Listen, now you can tell, you can tell the days when Joe's medicine is working and when the days when Joe's medicine isn't working. When the Joe's, when Joe's medicine is working, he's got some energy. He's ready to go. He's, he's like this. He's like that. He's like, he almost sounds normal. He, he sounds dumber than he is senile, right? The, the senility takes a back seat when he's got the energy, when the medicine's working. He's still dumb. You can't, you can't polish that turd, but he, uh, He's at least got some energy and would probably not have done this. On days when the medicine isn't working, Joe sounds like he's just on the verge of falling asleep, just on the verge of collapsing. That was Joe when searching for the late congresswoman. And he doesn't, what's amazing is he doesn't recognize it either after he says it a couple of times. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was going to be here to help make this a reality. Well, I thought she was going to be here. No, um, I'm sure she would have loved to have been, but she has passed on. You, You marked it. You commemorated it. Suddenly, we've got President Haley Joel Osment. I see dead people. Yeah. (laughs) But this isn't the first time that Joe Biden has made a complete and utter fool of himself. Remember back in 2008, there's a Missouri state senator named Chuck Graham. Chuck Graham is paralyzed. Chuck Graham, during a campaign stop in 2008, was in the crowd, and they always acknowledge the local politicians who show up at their events. It makes them see, it allows the local politicians to go, oh, yeah, I know him. We're, we're very close. Like, yeah, you met him 30 seconds beforehand. Your name was on a list handed to the guy, and he read the list. So he, he gives Chuck a shout out and then tells Chuck to stand up. See, this, is, this isn't senility here with Joe back in 2008. This is just stupidity. You can hear the energy. This is stupid Joe, not senile Joe. And I also am told that, uh, that uh, uh, Chuck Graham, state senator's here. Chuck, stand up, Chuck. Let him see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? I tell you what, you're making everybody else stand up, though, pal. Thank you very, very much. I tell you what, stand up for Chuck. 
<laughs> well, you're making everybody else stand up. I tell you what, stand up for Chuck. Well, if everybody else is standing up, why are you ordering them to stand up for Chuck? And oh, by the way, let me, uh, Chuck, oh wait, Chuck's crippled. Everybody, let's uh, really point out that Chuck is uh, paralyzed in a wheelchair. All right, let's really, really rub it in. Let me just keep harping on it. I'm sure that Chuck likes nothing more than than that, to be thought of as uh, being an invalid. So, yes, stand up for Chuck. See, that's stupidity. Not senility, stupidity. <laughs> Joe, Joe has been uh, that most of his life. So you got that going on. Uh, by the way, just for fun, I decided to recut a classic song that was never a hit, never even close to a hit, by a group called Camper von Beethoven to honor our president and highlight the president of the United States as he slips slides into senility coupled with stupidity. Where, where the hell is Jackie? Maybe he'll find her. That's where the hell is Bill. But I I found that amusing in any event. But that's our president of the United States. Now, the the White House was asked about this, and uh, they tried to spin it and say, no, 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 she was just at the top of the mind. She was at the top of the president's mind. That's why he was trying to honor her. Dude, he had no idea. He had no, you just say, look, he screwed up. He forgot. He is almost 80 years old. He'll be 80 years old in like a month and a half. He doesn't say, yeah, you know what? He forgot. There's no reason to believe that the president of the United States ever met this congresswoman. Well, maybe he met her once or twice. If he was vice president when she was sworn in as a member of Congress, he would have been there at her swearing in ceremony. That would have been it. It's not like they're, they went to high school together. They've been best friends since 12th grade. No, there's no shame in going, you know what, he he just, he forgot. Well, you released a statement. Yeah, we released a lot of statements and it's been a month and people forget things because they weren't close friends. And then you get really like in the face of the press and you say, look, you don't have to make a big deal out of this, all right? The family of this congresswoman's already going through hell. They lost a loved one unexpectedly. Just don't harp. The president screwed up. He's sorry that he screwed up and let's just forget about it. That's it. And then it goes away instead of, well, he was not really thinking she was there. He was uh, saying that uh, he was uh, just missing her and, and giving her a special shout out. Giving her a special shout out. There's a, spe- there's a way to do that. Hey, uh, I particularly want to thank the late Congresswoman Jackie Wolarski for her work on this. We've lost her since then, but she was an amazing help on this piece of legislation. This will be a huge part of her legacy, whatever it is. I don't know. You can, 
you come up with this stuff. I'm coming up with it on the fly. They've got a team of professionals who are paid a lot of our money to come up with this kind of stuff. They could come up with something like that. Instead, like, well, you know, uh, is she here? Where is she? What's going on? Hey, Bruce Willis, I see dead people. Uh, what? Oh, well, I thought she'd be here. Did you? Why? Just say he didn't, he didn't, he forgot. Because he forgot. Period. End of story. It's pretty simple. Usually, even in politics, the truth is the easiest and best answer to give. It's just so rarely deployed by this White House that you can forget it, especially on things like this. I, I can't stress this enough. There's no reason to think that Joe Biden knows who this was. You gave her gave him a photo array of three of the exact same photographs of this congresswoman. Joe Biden would go, I got no idea who that is. What kind of shampoo does she use? Or what kind of conditioner does she use? I mean, maybe if you put the kind, then he'd remember her. Like, oh, yes, VO5 hot oil treatment. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's I remember her. But otherwise, there's no reason to think it. Think about all the people you went to high school with. Every once in a while, if you break out your uh, your yearbook or you go to, a, in my case, there's a Facebook page for my graduate, graduate. You go through and you look at the members and you go, who in the hell is that? And I didn't go to a class or a school where they're like, hey, there are 2,500 graduating seniors. Now there are a couple hundred. Like, who the hell are these people? That happens. You forget. You didn't know. You didn't take any classes with them. Whatever the the reason is, there's a lot of people that you're around that you don't know. Now, there are 535 members of Congress. They very rarely are all in the same room. They don't often work together. They usually don't work together. And when they do collaborate, they don't. it's not like a senator and a House member sit in a room together and hash out legislation. It's their staffs. The members likely never meet or don't meet until the very end. There's no reason to think Joe Biden should know who this person is. They can't say that because this was his one shout out of, hey, bipartisan, there's a Republican I work with. Oh, she's dead. Oh, never mind. Plus, he's... <sighs> anyway, they just... It would have been easier to tell the truth, but Democrats don't. They just don't. I want to shift views just a little bit north, the city of brotherly love. Because what is uh, what happened there this morning on the local news is what happens every it's it's indicative of the left. They simply deny reality. They enjoy denying reality and it is so rare that any of them, whilst denying reality, are actually uh, questioned, pointed out, hey, that's not reality. I'm talking about the district attorney up there in Philadelphia, elected district attorney, progressive guy, one of the pioneers in if we just empty the prisons, we'll have justice. That's it. There's no, like, it'll make life better. There'll be justice. They are the people, these left-wing progressives who go... We have too many people who look like this in jail. We need to let them out. Instead of going, we have too many people who look like, we have a lot of people who look this one particular way in jail. Why is that? It's not genetic. Maybe it's the horrible school system that is churning out people. The left always loves to talk about the school to prison pipeline. 
Oh, the school to prison pipeline. Like, like the education system is nothing more than a water slide right to Sing Sing. Then you gotta, if it is, you gotta go, then why the hell do you guys love teachers so much? Because those guys seem to be workers at the factory of creating more, more prisoners, right? If your problem is that there are too many damn prisoners, then why would you support the factory that makes them so much without saying, hey, we need to change this factory, what's going on over there? <laughs> because they don't really give a damn. If you really uh, uh, take a look at what the left pushes and the things that they say and you sit down and you think about it, you just you think about it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. It doesn't even come close to making any sense. The school to prison pipe, well, let's shut down the... Let's shut down the pipeline rather than the prisons. No, no, we don't want to do that. We need to shut down the prisons. Well, then you've still got the school churning out criminals, right? It's not, we're not putting innocent people in prison. We're not, hey, get over here. Let's grab him, throw a burlap sack over his head, throw him in prison. That's not what's happening. People who are in prison, yeah, there's the occasional one, they make a movie out of it and make it seem like it's everybody, but there's the occasional person who got railroaded. Bad public defender, innocent, mistaken identity, whatever it is. Those are the wild exceptions, not the rule, not the rule by any stretch of the imagination. So you sit there and you go, these people are getting railroaded. We need to get them out of prison. No, no, the, most of the, the, the violent dudes are there because they committed acts of violence. You know what they're going to do? They're not going to take up knitting when they get out as a profession. They might use knitting needles to stab somebody who steps to their you know, turf, but they're not going to take up knitting as a profession. They're not going to become nonviolent. And they can point to, hey, well, what about this one? That The guy who played Rock, not The Rock, but Rock on television. Uh, Charles Dutton became the actor. He passed away, but he was in, I think he, I think he might have been convicted of manslaughter or something. He did some time. And he came out and he got his life together. A one-off person, things happen, I get it. There are exceptions to every rule. But by and large, you're not going to go from a heroin dealing indifferent to human life monster who will kill somebody if they step on your shoes to a uh, productive member of society or even a taxpayer. You're just not. I hate to break it to you. You got to find a way to head them off at the past so they don't become that in the first place. That starts with good parenting. we got a long way to go on that one across the board. And it goes to an education. That one we can theoretically do something about. But Democrats have no interest in that. Let's just keep churning out violent people who can't read, who can't do math, who have no real future in this society, when they sit there, well, we justify it because there's no reason. It's not our crummy education system that has caused the uh, discrepancy in outcomes and the inequity in society. No, it's, it's society itself. Well, how do you explain then when you get particularly black kids going to good schools the outcomes are wildly different than when you've got them trapped in horrible big city schools. Why, why is that? Why is it that kids in the suburbs or kids with uh, school choice, kids that go to charter schools, 
where the parents are involved, where the parents actually camp out desperately to get their kids out of these. How do you explain the the kids doing well there? It can't be. It's not. Oh, these kids. It's their environment. No, it's it's. If you take the same kid and you put them in a charter school, they're still living in the same place. Still got the same family. Still got the same neighborhood. Yet they have a different outcome. Why is that? Well, we don't really know, and you don't want to know. You know why you don't want to know? Because by and large, the private schools and these charter schools and things, they are not teachers' union-controlled institutions. These are not government-controlled institutions by and large. So that just torpedoes a whole lot of what these leftists are and what they want, and so they don't want it. They don't care. They pretend it doesn't exist, and they say, what we really need is more money. Really? you got a whole bunch of bad teachers. You've got a school that is failing miserably because the teachers don't give a damn. And you can't, in many cases, you can't blame the teachers for not giving a damn because the administration is not helping them. You can't discipline kids. Well, you can't discipline this kid because of their skin color. Well, not disciplining because of his skin color. Disciplining him because he threw a, a rock at me. Well, no, 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 that's not what I mean. Uh, you can't discipline him at all because of his skin. We have too many kids of this color being disciplined well it's the dominant skin color in this school plus it doesn't matter the kid threw a rock at me doesn't matter can't do it all right well good luck teaching with a kid who's wildly disruptive and can't take a disruptive kid out of there who are you anyway police they always say police can't be social workers why the hell do they expect teachers to be social workers why do they, why do they, you, you get the disruptive kids out. And then the teachers who want to teach, the teachers who can teach, will be able to teach. But you can't take the disruptive kids out. No, 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 you can't do that. And it's usually about, I don't know, 5 to 10% of kids who are the troublemakers. I was one of them. I wasn't that bad, but I was a disruptor. I was always a kid in the, sitting in the back with the comment, making the people around me laugh and getting into trouble for that. I wasn't, you know, throwing bricks at the at the teacher or anything. But uh, they have this whole system that they've set up that perpetuates what they say society is. It's weird. Society is racist. You can't get ahead if you are black or brown. By the way, if you're black or brown, we've have monopoly control over your education. We're not going to teach your kid to read or write or do math or anything, but we're going to tell them that they can't get ahead because of their skin color. It's like, well, I suppose in the most technical sense that's true because the democratic institutions are making sure you don't get an education. That's, <laughs> that's what you're doing. The easiest way, the only way really to get ahead, aside from buying a scratch-off lottery ticket and making it wildly lucky, to get ahead in society is through education. You're not going to become necessarily, most, most of us won't become multi-billionaire masters of industry. But you know what? You can do quite all right for yourself if you apply yourself and if you're taught. If you are not taught, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. The Democrat industrial complex exists because of the, uh, the system they've created, the people they've brainwashed. And yes, I use that word deliberately because that's what it is, brainwashing. Ignorant people, people kept ignorant, 
not ignorant people because of their birth, because of their existence, but because a system has been set up to make sure that they remain ignorant of what's going on because it benefits a political party. It's sick. And then you get these DAs who come in. You've already basically imprisoned people. Then you get these district attorneys coming in saying, all right, I will not prosecute crimes. You're like, why the hell? What do you mean you won't prosecute crime? What's your, that's the job of a district attorney. No, it'll be an injustice. I will burn calories trying to get criminals out of prison in the name of justice. Now, most people aren't paying attention. Most people don't live under these circumstances, so they don't care. And then you see what? You see the inevitable spike in crime because of these actions. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's by design. They don't care. They don't care. They're not going, oh, my God, I just let a whole bunch of criminals out of prison and crime went up. Who would have thought that? I need to reverse course. No, they deny that there is any correlation whatsoever. So Larry Krasner is one of the pioneers of this. The no cash bail, I've decided I will not prosecute certain crimes, etc., etc. type of people out there who are ruining great American cities from coast to coast and costing Americans their lives. Make no mistake, people are dead. Larry Krasner and his ilk, like uh, Gascon out in Los Angeles, like uh, Chesa Boudin in San Francisco, who was just recalled. They have literal blood on their hands. They honestly do. It is the blood of the citizens they claim so desperately to care so much about. Oh, I love these people. I will defend to my... No, you don't care. You do not give a damn. Just admit it. Just, there's shame in it, but just admit it. You don't have any shame, so it doesn't matter. Well, Larry Krasner was on television this morning talking about, and this is a big thing. And again, I have to stress, these people are elected. These people are reelected. Krasner was just reelected last year or uh, two years ago. And you sit there and you go, I think it was, maybe it was last year. And you go, you voted for this. I can't care that the murder rate in Philadelphia is up 50% because you voted for it, or 40%, because you voted for this guy. The murder, well, the murder rate doesn't have anything to do with it. It does. It does. There's a 50-50 chance right now, according to CBS News in Philadelphia, there's a 50% chance that your case will never get a conviction, never be solved. A murder case. 50-50 chance. You'll get away with it. People play the lottery and it's $350 million to one. You got an even money chance that you're going to get away with murder. Now, if you're inclined to do that or have already committed murder, why would you? That's a risk you're going to take, isn't it? Krasner, though, has a different idea. It's Republicans' fault. Actually, the rise in crime is due to Republicans and it is in Republican areas. Here he is on Philadelphia TV this morning. There are multiple things going on in the system, but it has never been the case before until we had reform prosecutors where people tried to blame just one entity. We all have to work together. And the reality is that we have been more and effective. And you are a reform district attorney. Everybody, everybody in the country knows that. But maybe it's not working. It is working. The reality is that There's our a thousand people killed in 20 months. The, it is working. 
The reality is when you look at all these different jurisdictions, we've had a devastating blow from the pandemic and there is absolutely no correlation between being progressive or traditional and the rate of crime. These states in the United States that have a rate of homicide that is 40% higher are MAGA states. They are Trump states. I'll say it again. The rate of homicide in Trump states, as compared to Biden states, take all 50 of them, is 40 percent higher. You know, higher. Republicans say the opposite. It's all the blue Republicans states. Republicans lie. It. I mean, let's just get down to it. Republicans lie. That is what they do. Eight of not the 10 cities with not, not. Well, OK, that's right. Not all of them do, but the MAGA ones do. Eight out of 10 of the most violent cities are Trump cities. Like, we got to get real about this. Facts matter. <laughs> Facts matter. Facts matter. Facts matter. Well, there's 400 murders, 401 murders to this point so far this year in Philadelphia. That is up over last year. The whole total last year, I believe, was 400. So congratulations to Krasner on that, overseeing that. This idea, you notice how he tries to screw with the unit of measure. And this is, again, back to my, if you control the unit of measure, you control everything. States with the most murders, states with the most murders are red states, red Trump states, states. What about where the murders actually happen? You know, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania was won by Donald Trump in 2016. Philadelphia's murder capital. Philadelphia went overwhelmingly for Democrats, but that's in Pennsylvania. Therefore, it counts as a uh, murder in the state of Pennsylvania. That's how you get around that. You go from talking about local jurisdictions where people like Larry Krasner are in control to statewide, and suddenly it's a whole different can of worms. You can have a Republican governor and a liberal city, a liberal city that is a cesspool of crime that the local authorities have control over. Larry Krasner doesn't want you to think of that. Also, his well, eight of the ten most violent cities are are magus are Trump. First of all, where are these big, major cities that are Trump cities? Where are they? Where are the middle-sized cities? Secondly, uh, Forbes magazine put together a nice little list. It's very convenient for such thing. It's from February twenty-third of twenty twenty-two. They went through all the government statistics, and they found the ten most dangerous cities in the U.S. Yeah. Guess what they all have in common? They are all generationally controlled by Democrats, not even just currently controlled, generationally controlled. Really quickly, there's Shreveport, Louisiana, Kansas. This is in reverse order, starting at 10. Shreveport, Louisiana, Kansas City, Missouri, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Cleveland, Ohio, Memphis, Tennessee, Baltimore, Maryland, New Orleans, Louisiana, Detroit, Michigan, Jackson, Mississippi, and St. Louis, Missouri. Not a one of them has had a Republican mayor in my lifetime, probably your lifetime too, but Larry Krasner's on TV going, oh, it's those violent Republican cities. Where? Now, granted, if a city has two people and one kills the other, you've got a murder rate of 50%, I suppose, but that goes back to the controlling the unit of measure thing. Never, ever, ever take a Democrat at face value. They're always lying to you. I just want you to to remember what Larry Krasner is saying in that clip and where he's talking. He's he's straight up lying and he's accusing Republicans of lying. And the reporter, the anchor, kind of gives him a little bit of a pushback and says, well, Republicans, and he goes, well, the MAGA Republicans lie. While he's lying, 
There's nothing. It's not like, well, it's it's a gray area as to whether or not Larry Krasner is making stuff up. No, he's lying. The 10 most dangerous cities in the country. One might, like, dangerous, like you run danger of having a really good party. I don't think that's what Forbes means by that. Are run exclusively and generationally by Democrats. And they don't care. They're also running differently. Oh, every four years when the mayor's up, they go, well, we must fight crime. We'll do something about crime. But they don't condemn the guys like Krasner who are not prosecuting criminals, who are doing everything they can to get criminals out of prison. You've got Frankenstein up there in, in Pennsylvania running for United States Senate, calling for a release of one-third of the prisoners in the prison population. One-third! What's he basing that on? He's basing it on nothing. He just wants to lower the prison population. He once called for, said that it would be wonderful if they could get everybody accused or convicted of second-degree murder out of prison. Second-degree murder is pretty serious. It's a, you know, in-the-moment sort of decision. You didn't plan it out for weeks and months and, and years to do this, but you still killed somebody. It's a pretty damn serious... You don't want to be charged with second-degree murder. He's also a big fan of Mumia Abu-Jamal, who shot point-blank a police officer dead in the face and has become a celebrity, a celebrity to leftists across the country and around the world while on death row. He has lived longer on death row than the man he murdered was alive. And somehow this is progress and wonderful and needs to be emulated and repeated. You listen to these people, believe them. They're not lying. They're not They're not even hiding anything. It's bizarre. They just sit there and straight out say it. When they're talking about what they want to do, they'll tell you what they want to do. You don't think, you think nobody wants to do that. What the hell? Nobody's talking about releasing people from prison. These are the people who, in New York City, if you're arrested, they have no cash bail. They will release your ass without having to post bond nothing not even 10 percent of anything you get to get away with it and you're out back on the streets as before the ink dries on your fingerprints and you've been arrested there are people who have been arrested multiple times in the course of a day for acts of violence there's no provision in new york for all right you can push one old Asian lady onto the subway tracks a day. But if you do two of them in the same 24-hour period, not calendar day, but 24-hour period, so be aware of the time, then you'll you'll have to post $10,000 bond, really $1,000 bail. But that's it. That's it. There's none of that. And they're sitting there going, well, it's, those mag- it's the Republicans that are causing the problems. Of course, this will escape the fact checkers. This will escape everybody and everything in the mainstream left-wing establishment media. Why? Because he's on their team. They support this. The people who have been murdered by people out on bail, or not bail, people who have been in custody and released... There are no exposés. Maybe local media does a story about it, but that's it. There are no exposés about what's going on and why this happened and this horrible tragedy any more than there are every time there is an illegal alien behind the wheel of a car drunk 
kill somebody or an illegal alien member of MS-13 who's been in custody and been arrested four or five different times with sanctuary jurisdictions, let them go every time after they serve their sentence, and then they go and kill somebody. And they go, eh, there's no reflection going, geez, if we had just had a simple policy of enforcing the laws as written, that person this guy killed would still be alive today. There's none of that. There's no concern about that. Because who's going to call them out for it? The victims' families will call them out for it. But how many victims' families do you see on television? Occasionally you see them. Occasionally they make Fox News. But that's it. They couldn't even get ink in a local newspaper. You think? Kate Steinle's been forgotten. Kate Steinle was forgotten before she was buried. She was inconvenient. It took, what, six weeks to get Nancy Pelosi to even acknowledge her existence, to get Barack Obama to even acknowledge her, or his White House, to even acknowledge her existence. And then that was it. That was it. Hey, yeah, no, it's horrible. Moving on. I'd been deported seven times. But you can get away with that stuff if you're a Democrat. Washington Examiner Today, Paul Bedard's Washington Secrets column. On a day when President Joe Biden's mental faculties are being questioned again, a new report suggests the media is covering up for the 79-year-old president in a way it never did for former President Donald Trump. It says it right out. It's true. Uh, In studying media fact-checking under Biden and Trump, the conservative media research center said that the truth police have found zero examples of Biden lying or being 100% wrong despite his frequent verbal flubs and fabricated life story. It's amazing. What's more, the MRC's Newsbuster editor, Tim Graham, the uh, liberal media fact-checkers have targeted the president's critics by a nearly six to one in their truth probes. In his review of the Pointer Institute's PolitiFact, he wrote, quote, Over the first 20 months in office, Biden has had 58 fact checks, while Biden critics were checked 338 times. Overall, there are 5.8 fact checks of Biden critics for every one of the president, end quote. So if you are a Democrat, there really is nothing to lose. If you're Larry Krasner sitting there and you just go, well, you know what? The most violent cities are uh, Republican run cities. What's a major Republican-run city? Give me a city with a million people who is a Democrat mayor. Give me a city with half a million people. You could probably find a couple that are half a million, but none of them made Forbes' list of the most violent cities because Larry Krasner was lying. Larry Krasner could lie because who's going to check him? He knows. He looks down the bench of fact-checkers and goes, those are my teammates. Surprisingly, Graham writes, Biden was hit with no pants on fire ratings despite his often made odd and wrong comments and mental confusion. On Wednesday, for example, he hosted an event. He called out blah, blah, blah. The congressman, we already covered that. No pants on fire rulings 20 months into the presidency, which means that Joe Biden is the ultimate truth teller, except for the fact that he has repeated the lie that he was arrested trying to go see Nelson Mandela in prison. He was not that he was an active participant and took to the streets during the civil rights movement, which he has confessed uh, multiple times that he did not. 
that he was a truck driver, he said. That he's a truck driver. No, he was not a truck driver. In fact, so much of Joe Biden's own life, he lies about. He lies about policies. He lies about his own life. And he does so with impunity because what are they going to do? Call him out on it? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. They, they're not going to. They're wearing the uniform underneath the business suit. These people at PolitiFact are uh, wearing the same uniform. So they say uh, mostly true or slightly false. They never give him the he is just he's more full of uh, full of it than an outhouse. They never give him that one, mostly because they don't check the things where he's on that. If if they are straight up, Joe Biden straight out lies, they're not going to fact check it. They're just not. How does that help the team? That's that's how they look at it. Make no mistake about it. I want to shift gears to, uh, well, the UN just had their big meeting once a year. They... When, when not being absolutely useless and uh, using all their time to condemn the United States or Israel, they take a break and they allow world leaders from around the planet to come to New York to complain about the United States and Israel and complain about freedom, horrible, horrible freedom. And uh, one of the uh, leaders that came was Jacinda Ardern. She is the leader of the Prime Minister of uh, New Zealand. She's She became a hero during COVID. Why? Because she went medieval on the asses of the places where all the movies set in medieval times are filmed. She went crazy. She had draconian lockdowns. It was nuts. She also banned guns. She managed to get guns banned and confiscated through quote-unquote buybacks, mandatory buybacks. Yeah, it's not a buyback if it's mandatory. Buyback is, I want to buy your gun. Well, what are you offering? No, I don't want to sell it for that. That's a, a buyback. Or you've come to a price you're willing to pay. Mandatory is, hey, uh, you can give me that gun or you can go to jail. It's your choice. I don't really care. That's how negotiating with government works. But she became a hero to the left because of it. Oh, my God. She's just so wonderful. She's moderately attractive when she doesn't open her buck-toothed mouth and is not eating a sandwich through a fence. I know. Mean. Oh, it's so horrible. Mean. She deserves it because she's a fascist at heart. You scratch a progressive, you find a fascist because progressivism is the root of fascism. And I will prove my point to you by playing you clips of what she said to the United Nations. She is very concerned and really upset by the idea that free countries around the world are not controlling speech online. And it's not a far cry to go uh, from speech online to speech anywhere. If you are cool with the concept of punishing people for what they say, the medium through which they say it quickly becomes irrelevant. It's weird how that works, isn't it? So here she is. We'll listen to these clips in order. Here she is talking about this dream. She and her uh, ideological brethren, Adolf Hitler, had. This week we launched an initiative alongside companies and nonprofits to help improve research and understanding of how a person's online experiences are curated by automated processes. This will also be important in understanding more about mis- and disinformation online, a challenge that we must, as leaders, address. 
Sadly, I think it's easy to dismiss this problem as one in the margins. I can certainly understand the desire to leave it to someone else. As leaders, we're rightly concerned that even the most light-touch approaches to disinformation could be misinterpreted as being hostile to the values of free speech that we value so highly. You don't really value free speech so highly if you are setting about curtailing it because you've determined you don't like particular pieces of information getting out there. Just saying. That's not how the world works, Jacinda. I, I hate to break it to you. I understand that you, you live in a different world. You live in a different time. You're not in the United States of America. And you are talking to a whole bunch of despotic regimes around the world when you're speaking to the UN, the vast majority of them. But you're supposed to be one of the good guys. You're supposed to be. Then you are a hero to the left. And yet you you hear what she's espousing. She hasn't gotten there yet, but she's getting there. She's walking down that path. She'll get there. She'll get there. But she's walking down that path. We need to control what's going on. We can't, can't have misinformation and disinformation out there, which misinformation and disinformation ultimately means to a leftist is information that makes it difficult for them to get their way. Information that does not conform with their belief systems. She, this isn't me making it up, she says it. But while I cannot tell you today what the answer is to this challenge, I can say with complete certainty that we cannot ignore it. To do so poses an equal threat to the norms we all value. After all, how do you successfully end a war if people are led to believe the reason for its existence is not only legal but noble, how do you tackle climate change if people do not believe it exists? How do you ensure the human rights of others are upheld when they are subjected to hateful and dangerous rhetoric and ideology? Uh, how, do you can, how do you get what you want, meaning big government, and climate change if people don't believe it exists? How about you just prove it? You know, there's a way to convince people to show them irrefutable evidence. Instead, the climate change argument is, we're all going to die! Comply! Obey! Comply! We're all going to die! Really, you've been screaming that for 40 years, and nothing, absolutely nothing you've predicted has come to pass. Nothing. So forgive me for being skeptical. Will you rape your, wrap yourself in what you claim to be science? Science is questioning, but when you question something, you know you can't question this. You should absolutely question anything that tells you that you can't question it. That's, that's exactly what you should question. That's what you need to question. But no, it is straight up, oh, no, you can't question this. We can't have people disagreeing with us. We cannot have people disagreeing. You can't have people disagreeing with you? The left is incapable, but they're also unwilling to try to have a debate, to try and convince anybody to their side. Agree with us or shut up. Agree with us or be destroyed. Agree with us or we're coming to get you. We're going to use the if you don't if you think I'm trying to use the government power to come after you and you say that online, my God, I'll come after you and using government power to do so. It's the last part. What do you do to people who, who you know to protect their human rights when they're subjected to opinions they don't like? Huh? Well, my God. I didn't realize my human rights were violated every time I flipped on the nightly news. I didn't realize that. Thank you, Jacinda. Oh, wait, you don't mean people like me? You only mean people who agree with you? So if you have a, 
a 12-year-old daughter who wants to have her breasts surgically removed. And if she goes online and sees somebody and says, that's the best thing ever, and you go, oh, that's great. They should absolutely be subjected to that. That could convince them to do it. But then you have somebody else on there who's had it done saying, don't do it. This was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. That is missing disinformation that would make it difficult and somehow violate their human rights. Is that is that what you're saying, Jacinta? Is that the world you want? It is the world you want to create. I don't know why you don't come right out and say it. Use these glossy terms that are vague and go, oh, well, these people are subjected to contrary and abusive opinions. They're words, okay? Let me equate you with sticks and stones, all right? Those may break your bones, but names... Why, they're worse. They're way worse. No, might I suggest that we're creating a whole bunch of people who are wildly uh, soft-skulled and thin-skinned? So well, That could lead to bullying, and bullying could lead to all sorts of things. Yeah, all right, well, be a better parent, okay? There's a real easy way to combat that. Be a better parent. Teach your kids that what some jackass online has to say about is irrelevant. Is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. What if somebody at school said, well, you're not talking about at school. That would be verbal and in person. You don't want to restrict what people can actually say. You wanted to to protect the people from keyboard warriors, didn't you? Well, no, these marginalized communities have to be, if, if the written word that you have to actively log into a website to see is so damaging that it violates people's human rights, then you have to seek it out. You have to choose to go to those websites and you have to choose to read it. If that is a violation of human rights, what is telling somebody something, using your using your mouth to do it? My God, that has to be the modern equivalent of a cross burning or something, right? Doesn't it? It's only a matter of time. If they get this, they'll go for that. That's how the slippery slope works. But she's trying to wrap it in, which is trying to protect people. No, we have families to protect people. Maybe encourage people to be better parents. How about that? You weren't elected parent. You were elected prime minister. And you were elected prime minister only of a small island. Two islands, really. And you can have it. Ava? She wasn't done. She's so earnestly trying to convince other world leaders. And it's such the height of pretension. We as leaders do this. We as leaders do that. God, these people believe their own press. They really think they're special. They really do. She's trying to convince other world leaders to join her cause of censorship, of fascism, under the name of tolerance. It doesn't matter the banner under which fascism marches. It's still fascism. I don't like coffee. I don't care if it comes in ice cream form or in a cup. I don't care if it's a steak wrapped and rubbed in coffee grounds or it's a piece of candy that it's just a hint. I don't like coffee. I don't care what form it comes in. I don't like fascism. No matter what form it comes in, it can come in a lunatic ranting and raving in Nuremberg with a funny mustache, or it can come in somebody who could eat a sandwich through a fence. It doesn't matter. Fascism is fascism is fascism. The weapons may be different, but the goals of those who perpetuate them is often the same to cause chaos and reduce the ability of others to defend themselves, to disband communities, to collapse the collective strength of countries who work together. But we have an opportunity here 
to ensure that these particular weapons of war do not become an established part of warfare. Weapons of war. Words online. Weapons of war. We can make sure they do not become an established part of warfare. Warfare, huh? Warfare. These people are insane. These people are worse than insane. They're actually evil. You've got to love that. I don't know. We can't. We have a chance here to stop these weapons of war. You're not talking about governments. You're not talking about cyber. You're talking about your citizens disagreeing with you. You're talking about your citizens questioning you in a way that you not only don't like, but you really don't. They don't like being questioned because they have no answer. The world is coming to an end. If we don't cut carbon emissions, you've been saying, here's, here's a bunch of you saying that in 1989. And so you had 10 years before the coasts were flooded and uh, really there were going to be mass famines and there was going to be huge. In 1989, we had 10 years. Why do we now 34 years or 33 years or whatever later, why is it that we're still fine? It's not even like we've been teetering on the edge forever, and we've been told we're falling over the edge countless times, and yet here we are standing on firm ground. How is it? How do you reconcile that? They can't reconcile that. They can't explain that away. They don't want to explain that away. They'd much rather, and it's much easier just to shut them up. It's a bizarre way of looking at things, but this is how the left looks at things. It's an evil way of looking at things. If we, uh, if we kill all the sick people, we'll be the healthiest country on the earth. If we murder all the short people, why, we'll be the tallest country on average on earth. If we uh, breed out all of the stupid and undesirable people, we will be left with nothing but the best. And you say, well, that's a bit much, Derek. No, no, that's eugenics. That's what the progressive movement pushed back at the turn of the 20th century. That's what they advocated for. They wanted to decide who could and couldn't breathe based on how they determined somebody was valuable to society or likely their offspring was to contribute to society in a way that they deemed worthwhile. They run away from it now. They pretend, no, we'd never, we didn't, we wouldn't. That's hard. They did. They would. You can find it, and they're still pushing the exact same thing just by different methods. Make no mistake about it. They don't change their stripes. They don't change their objective. They change their tactics. Segregation and racism, they want segregation. They use racism. They're using racism there now to get the segregation they've always wanted. But now they're doing it under the guise of this is tolerance. Multicultural, celebrate diversity by dividing everything up. You heard her talk about community. They're breaking up community. Community used to be your neighborhood. Now community is people who have sex like you do, people with the same skin color as you do, regardless of where they live, whether or not you like them, whether or not you get along with them, you don't even know them. You're just supposed to care about somebody who has this irrelevant characteristic that you have, no matter where they live in the country, so that you can be mobilized when a junkie resisting arrest dies, rather than the neighbor down the street gets shot. The neighbor down the street getting killed should bother you a hell of a lot more. But it doesn't. It doesn't lead to marches in the streets unless it fits a certain narrative. Period. End of story. This is not by accident. This is by design. All right. Well, I got one more clip here from uh, Prime Minister Adolf Ardern 
talking about the need for the world to come together and censor online speech for the its own good. Its own good. You imagine it's it's for your own good. Censor speech. In these times, I'm acutely aware of how easy it is to feel disheartened. We are facing many battles on many fronts. But there is cause for optimism because for every new weapon we face, there is a new tool to overcome it. For every attempt to push the world into chaos is a collective conviction to bring us back to order. We have the means. We just need the collective will. The collective will. That's a terrifying sentiment, isn't it? The collective will. How many atrocities throughout all of, well, really modern history because the concept of a collective will is a relatively, in terms of uh, human beings, new thought. And it's always ended up horribly for anybody who simply will not, well, all you have to do is conform. We'll stop beating you if you just conform. Just conform and we won't beat you. What more do you want? What is your problem? Comply or, all right, well, forget it. Kill them. We'll do it without you then. Why wouldn't, why would that frighten anybody? Why would that concern anybody? A collective will. We've got tools of war. Make no mistake. These people are at war with you. If you're a free thinker, it is an undeclared war, although she pretty much came close to declaring it there. She makes you aware of it. When these people tell you what they want to do, believe them. When these people tell you what they believe, believe them. They're telling you the truth. They could say, well, though, they're talking about against totalitarian regimes. No, she wasn't. She wasn't concerned about Russian disinformation about the uh, election. No, that's not what she's talking about. Climate change, they're questioning climate change. We have to be able to get rid of that. Do you think Russia is spending a whole lot of time online? Maybe they're doing some. Sitting there going, hey, don't get your 15-year-old son or daughter's body butchered and don't feed them you know, puberty-blocking hormones. Do you think they're, they're, they're really wasting money on that? They're trying to stir the pot up, sure, no doubt, but that pot doesn't need to be stirred. Most Americans don't want that for their children. They don't want some adult talking to their child about, hey, you know what? You feel a little awkward at puberty? Well, instead of going, that's normal. Don't worry. Don't make any rash decisions. Don't make any commitments. Just know that everybody goes through that to one degree or another at one point or another in their lives. It's just a weird time when you're turning into adulthood and maturity. Don't worry. You'll be fine. You can talk to me about anything and don't worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. Don't. No, instead they're going, you know what will take you? you. Wait, you feel weird inside your skin? That might be. And it probably is because you're in the wrong body. Am I right? You ever, you ever feel like you're in the wrong body? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, you probably are. We can take care of that. We can fix it. And you'll feel wonderful at the end of it. When I was a kid, me and most of my friends, we all sort of thought we were born at the wrong time. You know, it was different. I liked 50s and 60s music and modern, you know, alternative rock that wasn't popular. It was the stuff, like the hair metal and the whatever. That you sit there in the heavy metal even when the hair went away with Guns N' Roses. I just, I, I like Guns N' Roses fine, but it wasn't my cup of tea. The stuff I liked ended up becoming popular in the 90s and then I stopped liking it because then it became crap. But that's beside the point. 
like, man, uh, we fancied ourselves modern James Deans and we all wanted to date Marilyn Monroe. Well, we'd, we'd missed the boat on both of those. They were long since gone by the time we came around. And you sit there and you go, well, I want to be James Dean. I want to date a Marilyn Monroe. Where I was born at the wrong time. Somebody could have come up and said, hey, you know what? You were born at the wrong time and I got this pill. You take it and you'll be transported back in time. And I probably would have taken it because kids are stupid and they're open to suggestions. Now, I probably would have questioned the ability to time travel, but still... They're doing the exact same concept right now with kids and the trans issue. You don't feel comfortable in your skin? Don't worry. I've got the solution rather than that just happens. It's evil. Since I mentioned the trans issue, I have uh, a clip of audio to play for you. This is from the Haverford, Pennsylvania School District. Haverford, Pennsylvania. This could be any town USA. Just to illustrate how uh, ingrained left-wing ideology is, how um, deep it is, how screwed up it is. These people are talking about the trans issue and what they should tell parents. Now, if you're a parent, the idea of a school district withholding anything from you seems to be horrific, right? You know, hey, anything's going on with my kid. I want to know about it. What the hell do I pay taxes for? You work for me. You do this. But this is a Philadelphia suburb. This is this is a deep blue area. And I want you to note the casual tone and sort of the <laughs> tone that these people adopt in talking about, well, what if this kid uh, suddenly wants to change its name? change your name to a boy or boy to a girl and pronouns and everything don't should we tell parents do we tell no we're under no obligation to tell we're under no obligation to tell parents you can't give the kid an aspirin you can't liability the lawyers will tell you boy if the kid fall twists her ankle on a the last step and has a mild limp and you see it, you better tell the parents or else the parents will call up and they could sue you got to let them know that but when it comes to encouragement and embracing of them altering their gender pretending to be something they are not eh, we're under no obligation to do that don't say it. what i mean who are they anyway just shut your mouth parents i mean come on really once the kid is born once the child is they decide not to abort the child eh, the responsibility of the parents and involvement of the parents is really done the government will take over from there not kidding. Question. So on page five, number three, it says the district shall permit a student or parent slash legal guardian to request a change of name. What happens if they disagree? So the student is seeking a name change and the parent is not prepared for the name change. Is there, does one trump the other? If Meaning the, if the student says, I'd like to start being called James, and the parent says, you're still going to call Kim, how how does the district respond? <laughs> because that is going to happen. Thanks like, for starting with so, an easy sorry. question. It's, it's, it's going to happen. If I can piggyback onto that to yeah. some degree, and that is, mm -hmm. you talked about the privacy of the student. To what level does the privacy of the student extend if a student comes and states that I don't want my parents to know? 
I'm assuming we don't have we don't have an obligation. No, we do not have an an obligation. We do not have an obligation to inform the child's parents. We do not. So then it would be the student saying, from here on in, I want to be called Jim, Mm -hmm. and then it's Jim. It's Jim. That's it. Just like that. We have no obligation to tell the parents whatsoever. Don't worry, though. We've got to sign a a telephone book worth of releases if you're going to give the kid a Tylenol tablet. And it probably will tell them that they can't have the Tylenol tablet anyway. They're going to have to just suffer through the headache. But if they want to do that, and then they can talk to their counselor, and we can put them in touch with people who can start secretly feeding them all these organizations out there that are propping up, popping up that will secretly feed them hormone-blocking medication. We can do that. We can do that. But under no obligation to inform the parents. Because honestly, who do the parents think they are? Who do the parents think they are, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen? I know, just evil group of people. <clears throat> evil group of people. All right. Um, back in, uh, when was this? Back in Sept- uh, on September 26th. This is amazing. This is life imitating art immediately. Life imitating satire immediately. The left is becoming nearly impossible to mock because they've become a satire of reality. The Babylon Bee, the great Babylon Bee, ran a story, a headline, a mock story. It's a satire site. Headline, nine reasons not to worry about the tanking economy. Nine reasons not to worry. They're mocking the mainstream media. Not two days, well, two days later, exactly two days later, the Washington Post ran a piece from their advice columnist named Michelle Singletary. The literal headline, they didn't go with nine. Seven ways a recession could be good for you financially. Hey, there you go. (laughs) The sub-headline is, hey, a recession isn't all bad news. Here are seven silver linings. Now, you know, a, a recession isn't all bad news, particularly if you're really wealthy. Then there's all sorts of uh, things you can take advantage of. You know, people start going bankrupt and having to uh, unload themselves of their assets. You could pick up their assets pretty cheap. They're in a bit of a panic. They're trying to save their house and they're selling you their things. They're like, all right, I'll give you 10 bucks. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you 10 cents on the dollar. How's that? That's great. It says uh, the number one thing, housing prices may finally come down to reasonable levels. Oh, that's that's great for everybody who's got their net worth tied up in that. But of course, the problem is that the mortgage rates are about 7% now. You see, so oh, the house is more affordable. You're still paying the, the same per month. Plus, there are a lot of people who aren't going to sell their houses right now. So your housing stock is going to be probably the smaller end of the houses, and you're going to have to pay more for that per month, even though you're getting less house than you would have a year ago. Congratulations. Thank Joe Biden. Send all greetings that way. Savings rates are up. That's great. That's great. You have to pay more for everything else thanks to inflation, so you you don't really have any savings. But if you were to get your hands on some savings, you would be able to get a little bit more interest. Bonds up too. That's the same thing. Again, if you got disposable cash laying around, and if there's one thing the Biden economy is known for, it's people having piles of disposable cash laying around, right? 
the dollar is king. Well, unless you're planning on traveling to the UK anytime soon, but if you can't afford a house, you can't afford to save anything, the odds of you taking a trip to the UK are pretty slim, and you're likely not going to be a currency speculator. And if you were, you're going to maybe put a couple of hundred or a couple thousand into it so you could reap the benefits, but not really F you money, you know? And all of these things are so, your car is worth, your used car is worth more. Yeah, congratulations. And if it breaks down, you can't afford to get it fixed and you also can't afford to get a new one. But hey, you know what? Every silver lining has its sharp edges, right? Am I right? Of course. Every rose has its thorn, quote, great philosopher group poison. God help us. All right, that is enough for today and for this week. By the way, if you're listening to this earlier in the day, 5 p.m. Eastern, actually probably closer to 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, I will be on Newsmax's Spicer and Company, or at least I'm scheduled to be. Breaking news could, of course, change everything. So check it out. It should be two segments. It usually is, if I am. Don't forget to go to uh, patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. The Weekend Effin' Review will be lit and up. It'll be the first day of October, when, at least on the East Coast, when that sucker goes live. Check that out. Thank you for supporting the program. Have an awesome freaking weekend. We will be back regular order next week. See you then.